Mine host is Ein Grump. <laughs> grump, 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 grump. Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast based on ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into the episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. You're Mark. And you're Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> See how we switched that up a little bit? Yeah, just you should have told me. Um <laughs> Just a warning off the top of the episode, if uh, your kids aren't uh, able to uh, sneak into the cells on Friday night and have sex with uh, the Lord's wife, then they probably should not be listening to the episode. (laughs) You think so? (laughs) I gotta say, it's in some interesting way every week. Yeah, yeah. When this airs, yesterday will have been... John Nettle's birthday. October 11th, he turned 77. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, John Nettle. Just want to hug him. And Ozcat, one of our followers, because she has the same birthday as him. Oh, well, happy birthday, so, Ozcat. Yep. I just want to hug John Nettle's and just like a grandpa. He's great. Yeah. Oh, boy. Are you ready for Death in a Chocolate Box? In Midsummer Home, which is a weird name anyway. Yeah. Death in a Chocolate Box, or as everyone else calls it, the episode with that thing, the camera obscura thing in the center of town. With the the, cranky thing? The cranky thing. That episode. Yes. Okay. It's uh, season 10, episode 8. Which uh, makes it episode 59 for us. Mm -hmm. This episode was filmed in February and March of 2007. Broadcast date was 11th of May, 2008. 6.8 million viewers, directed by Richard Holthouse, who directed 17 episodes, I think. Wow. And written by Teddy Echelis. Echelis? Tony Echelis. Ah. Now, I got a couple of, I got a surprise for you about Mr. Echelis. Yeah, you and I, we were sort of talking about this, and we said, this episode is kind of serious. It doesn't have as much whimsy as other ones, and I wondered if it was because of the writer... And so you agreed to look into that a little bit. Yeah, he wrote Second Sight, too. Okay. Um, He also wrote a whole bunch of the bills. All right. Now, he he was a painter, so he worked for some advertising firms after college for a little while. And then he kind of got this writing bug in his 20s, and he said he wanted to be a writer by the the time he was 30. So uh, he called up Doctor Who's offices and said, do you take unsolicited material? And they said, sure. And they sent him a pack about how to write a Doctor Who script. I want one of those. Enthusiastically taking up the challenge, Tony and a friend collaborated on a story they hoped would be accepted. And you're getting this from the Midsummer Murder magazine, right? Okay. And my question to you, Sarah, is who is his friend? Ben Aronovich. Ben Aronovich is his friend. Boom! All right, so if you guys have never heard of Ben Aronovich, you need to have heard of Ben Aronovich. Um, He writes this incredible series of books called The Rivers of London, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned them on the podcast or not. He's a fantastic writer. Yeah. Who started in Doctor Who. Yeah, and he still does. He still writes Doctor Who. He went on to write more Doctor Who stuff, and he and Tony went on to write more detective stuff. Yeah, so... If you like mysteries with a little bit of supernatural to them. Oh, there's a lot of supernatural. <laughs> yeah. But there's still a lot of like procedural stuff oh, too. Oh, it's very procedural too. The River of the Rivers of London books are just they are my second favorite series of books of all time and I'm going to mention my first series favorite series of books today because it's relevant. Okay. But that's amazing that he wrote with Ben Aronovich. I thought you thought that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Ben's still putting out books. That series just keeps going, and it just it's it never lets you down. Every new book is just as good as the last. Yeah, I really like the character of Nightingale. Yeah. He's he's cool, very cool dude. For he's me. like a wizard who's a cop. Yeah. But he's was in World War II and stuff. He's but he, very and so interesting. So he's not a Barnaby guy. Mm-mm. He's... 
he's a more of a Remington Steel kind of guy. Very much so. Very much more um, Pierce Brosnan. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. He could play him in the in the if they did a movie. Yeah, I think he could. He could pull off who playing could, Nightingale. Who would be the main guy? Peter Grant. Yeah. Uh, if Idris Elba was younger, he could have done yeah. it. But he's too old now. Maybe the kid who was in Attack the Block in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Um, John Bodega. Yeah, he could do it. Yeah. He'd be good at it. That would be a show I could watch. Oh, I would devour that show. I'd watch it three times an episode. Yep. Okay, BBC. You owe us a check now. There you go. We've we've cast it for you. Yep. And I'm sure Ben would love that. Dude, I'll write it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so... We're going to approach this episode a little bit differently than we normally do because, frankly, the plot... uh, And this is so serious. There's no whimsy in this episode. No. And so while the entire episode takes place in 24 hours, the story is 16 years. Yes. So it's, it's one of those episodes. And so it's easier to kind of give an overview of the plot chronologically rather than in the order that it is revealed in the episode. Yes. So as always, we're going to assume that you have seen this episode, maybe even recently, hopefully, so you know exactly what we're talking about. But we're going to give it away right off the top. There's no secrets here. You know yes. that. We spoil everything. Though, again, and I, I don't know if it's the, the case that we've, these are soon getting into the episodes I wasn't paying much more attention to or I was doing something else. At the Stop top of the episode. I'm like, who is the killer again? So I had to go to the very end and watch the <laughs> the fact that Gina was the killer again, and I was like, okay. Well, I think they sort of give that away really, really early on. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. So the way this plot rolls out is that 16 years ago, from the current day of the episode, a woman uh, named Maria. Godbold. Godbold. I always want to call him Goldberg. Godbold. Lady Holm. Was murdered with the handle of the camera obscura in the middle of this village. She was hit on the head and murdered. And her husband was arrested for it. And Gina Colby was the police officer who arrested him for that. And now, so this comes from, the reason why she was killed was because her husband found out that she had been Fake being arrested on Friday nights. In Coston. Being Not hauled, even in the village, in Coston. Hauled down to the Nick mm-hmm. and then would proceed to have sex in the cells with different policemen working Friday nights. Yeah, and this got to be a known thing called the Friday Nighters. So it happened more than a couple of times. So I looked into this. I looked into, is this based on reality or anything like that? I couldn't find anything. But I did find an interesting story. Oh, yeah? Yes. In 19, in sorry, in 2016, a prison officer was arrested because they found out that she was having sex with inmates, which is illegal in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's not illegal in all states in the US, by the way. It isn't? No. <laughs> For a... a, a- a prison worker to have sex with a prisoner? If they, if both parties say it's consensual, it's not illegal. It's got to be frowned upon. Oh, I would think so. I would so. think you could get fired for it, even if you can't get arrested for it. <laughs> so this young lady uh, was uh, found out because of a hole in her trousers. Wow. She was efficient, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it gets better. The judge said there was no other reason for that hole other than to have sex with this particular inmate. Well, at least it was just the one inmate, I guess. Well, this inmate's name was Curtis Cocky Warren. (laughs) (laughs) Did this happen in the U.S.? No, this is in the U.K. Okay. She even got his name tattooed on her. Okay, you can't really deny the relationship if you've got his name tattooed on you. Like, I don't even know him. He's notorious gangster Curtis Cocky Warren, 56. Wow. So he was like a fancy gangster guy. A diamond geezer, huh? She was enamored by him and cut a hole in her pants. and That would make for a breeze, I would think. Well, you know, trousers, not pants. (laughs) Trousers. (laughs) 
I'm just imagining going through the day knowing there's a hole in the crotch of your pants and trying to hide it in all other the, circumstances. The the only other thing I got out of, I read a couple of stories on this. The only other thing of note out of the stories is she she looks far worse in her mug shots than he does. <laughs> Cocky's a pretty cocky guy. Uh, well, you go from being a prison guard to a prisoner, it's not going to be pleasant. Yeah, she she was not happy. No. She made that situation though, didn't she? Yeah. Okay, so This involves at least two officers, and then we find out that the desk sergeant was also involved. Right. And this is Jack Colby, who went through the academy with Tom Barnaby, and they were called the dynamic duo back in the day. They were very close. But since this happened um, and Jack quit the force, they really haven't spoken. Yeah, so it's not found out that Jack had sex with her, but he quit the force. Anyway, because he was the desk sergeant and allowed it to happen. Right. He didn't stop it, and he should have. No, Nowhere does it... Again, we're in a series of episodes of men writing about men's stuff without understanding women really well, because it, there's no explanation of the incredible sluttiness of Lady Home. Like, it's I, just... She was married to Lord Home. Well, him and his forehead... We're upsetting, I'm sure. The thing is, Mark, (laughs) the thing is. He does say that a lot. The thing is. The thing is. Slap! Stop that! Um, So now, so uh, Lord Holm goes to prison for eight years. Because Gina, who is a... Who was the the police detective who arrested him and put him in prison... Totally framed him on the scene, basically. Has now, yeah, because she killed her, has now quit the force and miraculously gone back to school, got a PhD and probably a master's degree as well, established uh, herself as a full professor somewhere. Got funding. Got all the funding necessary to establish a a, a program in Midsummer Home as a kind of a refuge for parolees so they could get back on their feet. It's kind of a halfway house system. And she did that all in eight years while, while Lord home was in prison. Then she gets him out early on good behavior or whatever, vouching for him. And for the last eight years has been running this program out of this village, seemingly kind of successfully. Right. So I looked into halfway house villages (laughs) because I was like, is this really a thing? Like sometimes Midsummer takes a thing like community place policing right. and makes it into a plot point. Yeah. I couldn't find any reference to this anywhere. Okay. Mostly because there's a village called Halfway House. <laughs> <laughs> which is halfway between these other two villages. So they called it Halfway House. They didn't call it. Upper halfway house. No, it's in Shropshire. <laughs> it like it comes up in everything. But the weird thing I did find when I started reading about halfway halfway houses in England, almost all of them are completely dry. Right. No so alcohol it's at all. Weird that there's a bar in this place, and the bar has the name the of safe haven. Safe haven. <laughs> yes. Well, and the fact that they have the celebration for Ronnie, who's been the latest parolee, who is now completely on his own and is about to leave the village, having successfully completed the program, that they have that celebration in the pub. Yeah, I think I think they called up Christopher Fairbanks, who plays Ronnie, and they're like, can can you do this thing for us? It takes like five minutes. Yeah, and you're out of here, and uh, you're really cool, and you're in everything else, including Batman. So. Okay, Can he had do- such a small part in Batman. He was a thug on the street. Oh, I know. You he, couldn't even recognize him. He, he's a thug in the street in the first five minutes. He's, I know exactly when he's in he's it. He's much better known for being in Alien 3 yes. and being in The Fifth Element. Yeah. He's, he plays the, a doctor in The Fifth Element, and yeah. he's great in that role. Yeah. He's so he's, fun. He, I really like him. He's he's a great actor. So he And he plays Ronnie Tyler, who is the latest person to complete the program. He's going to leave... And now we get, so we have Tom and, and Jones in the village current day. Yeah. And we, we kind of they find. They have a reason to be in the village. Yeah. Now we find out about 
um, Tom and Jack having all this history that this it's all revealed to us. And Jack won't talk to Tom. And Jack can't even look him in the eye, won't speak to him, but does have a note for him that we know kind of reveals Jack's complete involvement. He, he has decided that he's going to put it in the mail and mail it to Tom because he can't face him because he's so ashamed of his own participation in the Friday Nighters. And so Gina has to kill Jack because he's going to reveal his participation. And I guess that's going to endanger her whole setup in, in Midsummer Home. So she has to kill her own husband. problems there. When she kills him, the way she does it is he's driving his Land Rover back from the train station, having dropped Ronnie off, right? Okay. And somebody steps out in the street. Oh, I have a question about that. Do you think he drove the Land Rover to the station and back from the station on the same road? Yes. Oh, we'll get to that then. Yes, I do. (laughs) Okay. I think there's like one road in and out of this village. Okay. And it's a one lane road. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, and I say that because of the level crossing that we see over and over again that I know you want to talk about because we see Barnaby and Jones going back and forth across that level crossing in both directions. So I assume that there's basically one road yeah, in and out. I disappeared into the black hole that was the UK level crossing Wikipedia page. Okay. So <laughs> when Jack is driving back, it's kind of dark. Somebody steps into the road. It is clearly Gina. Clearly. <laughs> and then he goes off the road and his, his car rolls over and he ends up in a ditch and he kind of like falls out of the car and then it's clearly her hitting him with the handle from the stupid camera obscura. You can see her. Yeah. <laughs> like I went, I went back and looked at the recreation and the thing. They use the exact same shot. Yeah, it's her. It's clearly her. So there's no question. It's not Lord Holm no. unless he dressed up as Gina, which you know what? I wouldn't put past him because he's creepy like that. <sighs> Lord Holm gets the short stick here. Yeah. The poor man's been on Ativan for probably a thousand years. It's, it's surprising he has any sense of reality at all. <laughs> so she kills her husband, and then she has to kill Eddie, Eddie Marston, who is the newest convict to come to the village because when he was in prison, he found out from Lionel Porter, Polston. Poulter. Poulter. <laughs> we'll cut it. We'll shit. Let's put it in the middle. Lionel Poulter, who was one of the sergeants who was involved, whatever he was. Yeah, before he got on a spaceship. Well, and became a postman. Yes. Um, and so Eddie somehow has some kind of inside scoop on what's going on, and she knows he's going to blackmail them because he knows that Jack had an involvement. And But he does not know that Gina killed Maria. Nobody knows that. Maybe Jack might have known it, right? We think that she may have told him. Well, she opens the door in such a scary manner. Yeah. (laughs) Well. At least she opens the door and then she closes it afterwards as opposed to everybody else in this episode. They close them, but they don't secure them in any way. walk through every house like you own it. I can only imagine that Jack is a little bit nervous. He's been living with a woman for 16 years who he knows killed somebody. Yeah. I'd be kind of afraid of her, too. I would, too. <laughs> you better pick up your dirty undies in the ba- in the bedroom. You better do whatever she asks you to do. Yep. Uh, so she whacks Eddie on the head with the handle from the camera obscura. So now three people have been killed with that handle. And then Tom figures it out. Yeah. Okay. That's this episode. But there's all kinds of problems with how that works. Yes. That I have trouble with. And, and not to not to like put the episode down, but I just don't understand some of these things. And there is a whole cast of minor characters who do not act ever as red herrings. No. They're just set they're, dressing. Yeah. They're context. Yeah. I have to say, the episode starts with Jack having a bad dream while sitting in, in Gina's... On Gina's therapy couch? Yes. I guess. Yes. Where Lord Holmes almost kind of fantasize. Well, he does fantasize her. Well, yeah. Whew. The thing is, Mark. The thing is. But we see Maria, right? Because it's like, like a flashback dream he's having. And Maria is has been hit on the head with the handle. Yep. And her head is split open and there's blood pouring down her forehead and over her eye. And the camera goes zoom. Yeah. Like in on her face. Like zoom. That weird zoom is weird. Then 
snap up Jack's nose. Yes, we're right up Jack's nose. Like, whoa, I don't know what's scarier, the blood or his nostrils. His nostrils are pretty darn scary. N- normally, a shot like that is to make you think that those two characters are somehow connected or related. Yeah, no. No. That's not the case. No, well, I mean, not. he did have sex with her at some point. But but then there's another one of those weird zooms uh, right outside. Like, a few seconds later, the first time we see the camera obscura building. Yeah. There's this weird, like, zoom yeah. shot. There's some weird. That's really, like, off-putting. Like, what is going on? I'll give the writer the benefit of the doubt there that he added those. Oh, you think for, they they were meant to be there to portray something important? No. The reason why there's a camera obscura in this whole episode is Patrick McGowan's fault. Explain. The writer created the whole episode yeah. because of The Prisoner starring Patrick McGowan. Uh-huh. And so he may have written in those weird shots into the script. Okay. Because they did it a lot in The Prisoner. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. That's giving the director (laughs) and the writer a huge benefit of the doubt. Well, I love when um, Crinny, who's kind of the, uh, he's the estate manager for this whole program, right? Basically, yeah. He's telling Eddie about the camera obscura, and he says it's like the CCTV of its time. Yes. Except it is the least stealthy CCTV. Like, not only can you hear somebody cranking it, but the top, the turret part of it actually turns. So you know if, if somebody's in there exactly where they're looking. They're looking at you. It's not stealthy. No. At all. Nope. So it, let me tell you about Camera Obscuras because it is, I wish it was more important to the plot because they are fascinating. They are incredibly fascinating and when we eventually move to the country or wherever we're going to move with a smaller house, I would like to build one. <laughs> Someday when our children actually leave yes. our house. Or anybody leaves our house. <laughs> I, I, I would actually like to build one. Well, I can tell you, you could build one today. Okay. And you only need two things. Yeah. A cardboard tube and some clothespins. Okay. I know I can build one. That's I'd like all to you build need. A nice one. I know, but isn't that amazing? Yes. If you have a room with curtains that are basically blackout curtains, all you need to do is on a sunny day put a cardboard tube, like a toilet paper tube, yep. in between those curtains, and then clip them shut around it so no other light comes through, and boom, your entire room is a camera obscura. Yeah. It will project on the opposite wall. Yep. Upside down. Yeah. But that's all you've got to do. You don't no, even need a lens. Don't no lens, no nothing. It's amazing. The science of it is Light really interesting. Doing that thing where it travels in straight lines is kind of cool. I know, but just making like just closing it off except for one small yeah. area where it can, where the light can come through makes this 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 effect that the curtains being wide open doesn't. It it's the great way to explain to kids that the only reason they see is because light reflects off everything. Yeah. And they're they're like, I don't get that. And then you take away all of the light but a single pinprick. Yeah. And you show them all, because they're all reflections, and that's why they're upside down, mm-hmm. that, yeah. It's, it's awesome. Super cool. It's so simple. Yeah. Now, I before I saw this episode way back when, I had never seen one that was more than like a pinhole camera, right? I had seen them always as like a cardboard box, basically. Yeah. But there are quite a few of these like buildings that hold a camera obscura, and they're usually in um, scenic places. So in the U.S., they're all in like New York and in California. So where's the closest one to us? Probably there's one in South Carolina. That okay. would be the closest to us. Okay. There are many, many more in England than there are in the U.S. Yeah. But this one is not an existing one. They built this for the episode. Oh, they did? Yeah. It, okay. it doesn't, it, at least I couldn't find anywhere where it was listed um, as being an existing building. And I think just by looking at it, you can tell it's kind of a hastily built thing. It's on a, a wood deck. It's not on like a concrete platform. Yeah. I think they built it and just kind of plunked it down, which it's fine because I mean, it's convincing. Yeah. Um, but uh, Wikipedia does have a nice list of the publicly accessible camera obscura that are around the world. So if you are curious and you want to know if there's one near you, um, you should you should look at that. But 
the reason I have always been fascinated with them is that so many artists use them and they were considered sort of cheaty when artists use them. Yes. Because as an artist, I have this handicap that I can't draw anything that I can't look at. I can't draw from my imagination, right? Yeah. So I've always been the kind of person who wants reference images and likes to trace things and then put my own spin on whatever. Yeah. But I need the reference image. And there were great painters, Vermeer being the most notable one, who relied on a camera obscura. Yeah. He used one for nearly every one of his paintings, as far as we can tell. Which is why he did light so well. Oh, and scale. His scale is perfect. And for a long time, people discounted him because once it was revealed that he did that, which was in like the late 1890s, that it was revealed that he did that, people were like, oh, well, that's cheaty. Yeah. And and then like maybe 40 or 50 years later, people went, but wait a minute, look at everything he did. Yeah. Yeah. So he traced it, but then he did all that other stuff that you can't do. Yeah. Like... I mean, his paintings are amazing. The fact that he used a camera obscura to get the scale and to make a sketch, he still had to compose everything in front of it, which is why I can see the purpose of a small one, but I can't understand the purpose of this big one. Just to spy on people. With them knowing that you're doing it? Yes. (laughs) I I just don't get that. But anyway, it is it is an interesting element. Also, how difficult is it to clean? Since apparently Kearney has to tell Marston how to clean it. And there's quite a bit of detail about how to clean it. Well, I would think cleaning the lens would be. Is it a lens or just a mirror? No, there's a big lens at the top. I think it's just and a, a mirror. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, you wouldn't want to do that But incorrectly. then he's sweeping with the biggest broom in history. Well, you could only have this thing in a village where nothing happens. Because otherwise, that is where all the teenagers would go to make out, smoke, whatever. It's a room that they could see out of and you can't see in? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's the- and it's dark inside? <laughs> Nothing's ever going to happen it's in there. It's very panopticon <laughs> So that is, it's like this kind of central thing. And I remember thinking that they were referring to that little building that holds the camera as being the chocolate box. No, but the actually village. the whole village, the is, village the is the chocolate box, right? But, oh gosh, Lord Holm is so aimless. I just... He's been on Ativan for 16 years. It's surprising that he can stand up. I just, I'm like, what are you doing with your life? Like, what do you do? Do you do anything? He doesn't do anything. He spends eight years getting the gumption up to talk to to the professor about how much he loves her and eating Mrs. Shriek's great food. I guess. (laughs) Poor Mrs. Shriek. She loves him so much. But, but... Like Ronnie Tyler, it's like, I'm Mrs. Shriek. I really love him. And I'm leaving. Goodbye. Yes. (laughs) Like, there are a couple of people in this episode who just disappear. She, um, Marsha Warren, who plays Mrs. Shrike is her name, um, currently plays Mrs. Boggle in the Agatha Raisin show. Yes. And she is like one of the highlights of that show, Mrs. Boggle. She's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> she's a great actress. She's also in the Lions of Coston later. She's in another episode. Okay. But Lord Holm, I, ca- I cannot like him. I just feel so sorry for him. I do feel sorry for him. And then he tries to him. sexually assault Gina, which even though she's a murdering crazy lady, she still doesn't deserve to be sexually assaulted. I wanted to kiss her full on the mouth. Is that how you say it? I don't say it like that. Men of my class can become repressed. (laughs) All right. He just has fun. He's played by Edward Petherbridge. 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 Yes. Yes. But just, ah. So, and there's no explanation of how he and Lady Holm ever got together and their relationship. Like, oh my gosh. What was he like in prison? I don't know. Can you imagine him in the yard? Maybe Ronnie Taylor protected him. Tyler protected him. With the big guys? Yeah. Like. Doing the weights? (laughs) He would just wander. Buffaloed home. Shuffle around going, I say, the thing is. He was lucky to be off out of it. (laughs) (laughs) This is how lame I am. I have a great big note. 
that says, Tom went to the toilet! Exclamation point. So much like my complete freak out about (laughs) Joyce going to the toilet, did notice that Tom went to the toilet. He went to the gents. Yep. But you you never see that. No. Like he actually went into the door that had the little outline of the gent on the door. Yep. Tom Barnaby is officially peeing. <laughs> well, he's he's had a beer. And so. Jack's like, oh, well, uh, I guess I'll put this in the back then. Yeah, because he'll be in there for 30 seconds. And Ronnie is that great friend who's like, I'm going to tell you the thing that is going to be incredibly valuable to you, and you're not going to listen. Yeah, because he writes down Tom's phone number on the coaster. Because he doesn't know they know each other. No. I guess he doesn't know they know each other. Now, I have a question. Mm. What is the weather that night? Okay. So, again, this all happens in 24 hours, and it starts in the evening. Yes. Of Friday night. Yes. And it's not raining when the fireworks happen. No. It's not raining when Jack is at the train station, nor when he is killed. It starts raining at some point after that. No, but it is raining when they go to the train station. Oh, so it's on and off rain. Yes. Okay. The whole episode is like this. Well, but isn't that kind of how weather is sometimes? The rain kind of starts and stops and... I guess. So... (laughs) Do you think rain should be, you rain for four hours or you don't rain at all? uh, It just annoys me that scenes that are supposed to be right after each other, the ground is dry and stuff like that. Ah, let it go. Gina takes home to the train station the next morning looking for Jack. Mm-hmm. Now, she knows where Jack is. She knows exactly where he is. And they drive on that road. <laughs> so you're saying the road that they go to the train station on must be the same road that they come back on. Yes. But that's assuming that it's not a loop. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I don't know. How did they not see him going to the train station if they had to go on that road? Because the long shot, he's like 10 yards off the roadway and you could see his body from the road. Maybe she distracted him. Like even Lord Holm, drugged out of his mind, would be like, there he is. (laughs) Isn't that Jack's car? No, because he would be so flabbergasted by being that close to Gina in an enclosed space. He'd be like, the thing is... The thing is, (laughs) and he wouldn't even notice. So there's a village, the Chocolate Box Village. Yeah, that's Midsummer Home. home. There's a road. Mm -hmm. And that road, before it gets to the train station, the strangely connected train station. Did you see the other stops on that? Yeah, I was going to talk about that in just a second. There is a level crossing. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like, that's that's it. That is the feature of the road. And boy, they hit that nail on the head over and over and over again. You knew Gina was going to jump out in front of it. Yeah. You knew she was going to. Yeah. So this train. Yeah. Let's talk about the train. It's a cute train. I really like this train. It's a little bitty train. It's like three cars and that's it. It's a train that couldn't possibly really exist because there's no way it could make enough money to pay for its own running. No way it goes from coston yes to marshwood yes to badger's drift yes hey, it does. That's it goes to badger's drift to home lane yes to home lane junction yes which are two different places i don't understand why they're two different places and one of them is one of the places that you're existing in so why tape a sign to a pole that says what it is well, I was looking at the big train sign at the station that has like, it says Home Lane Junction. That is Home Lane Junction. So what's the other Home Lane stop? I I Why would there be two I don't for that know, village of like 12 people? But that sign is, is, it was, as far as I can tell from when I lo- looked at it, it was originally on that pole and it has fallen. Did you notice that it was no. on the floor? No. <laughs> it's propped up on the floor and there is... An enormous amount of blue tape around that ah, pole. Ah, okay. So they tried to put it up on a pole, and it didn't work. But then they go out of the station when Barnaby is there, mm-hmm. and the sign outside the station is really well done. Yeah. So I wondered if there were many of these like regional train lines left in the UK. I know there yeah. used to be more of them. 
Yeah. But they have since closed down because there are larger rail lines. And that rail line, I can only assume, could not have gone more than 35 to 45 miles an hour. Well, it's a narrow gauge. Yeah, it is. I looked at it closely. It it's is a, a narrow very gauge narrow line. gauge line. So it wouldn't even accept the typical train. Yeah, right? so a gauge is the distance between the two rails. Right. And once faster trains that went longer distances came on board, they were all built on these wide gauge lines. And then every train was built to run on a wide gauge line. So they could yes. add cars on and take them off yep. and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So this is a narrow gauge line. So there is a the shortest rail line in the UK that is a distinct rail line where they start and stop. How long do you think it is? And it's not a model train or anything tricky like that. It's a Two real miles. train. 0.8 miles, which is 1.3 kilometers. Yeah, it goes. It's called the Stourbridge Line, Stourbridge, Stourbridge. It's in the West Midlands. Oh, can we go on this, please? <laughs> it has two stops, one at each end. Yeah, and it goes from Stourbridge Town to Stourbridge Junction. Nice. I would love to ride that. 0.8. It would probably take you about five minutes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Can't it, go more than 35 miles an hour, I would yeah. think, though. So maybe 15, 20 minutes with yeah. the stops and stuff. You yeah. could go back and forth. I'm just wondering why, um, uh, it, if, if it goes to Coston, why isn't that the train that Cully is always getting off of? Well. Because she's coming from London. Coston, she's not coming from Marshwood. Yeah, Coston Station has, you know, accepts many different trains including probably this one on a narrow gauge line. <laughs> now you know. Oh, <laughs> so, so let me tell you about the hole I fell down. <laughs> a level crossing is anywhere in which traffic is going to cross a train or any type of other vehicle on the same level. So, Because it could be like a trolley or... Could be a trolley. It can be a boat. It can be an airplane. Wait a minute. How can you have a level crossing with a car and a boat? Because like a bridge oh, okay. comes down. A drawbridge. Yeah. Okay. But they're mostly trains. There are a few places where runways and roads over uh, lap over each other, and those are scary and terrifying. Yes. Now, the webpage on UK level crossing. <laughs> How much time did you spend on this website? Ooh, I could have spent and a lot more. And have you become friends with the person who made it? <laughs> no, no, it's the Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. They list about 20 different types of level crossings. Mm -hmm. Now, there are three major types of level crossings. There are unmarked level crossings, automatically marked level crossings and manual level crossings. Yeah. Right. And this is an automatic. So this is an automatic. So what happens is there's some connection made at some point on the rails. There's a sensor somewhere yeah. that the the wheels of the train trip and, and cause they, the, the lights to flash and the gate to go up and down, right? Yeah. And that's all done automatically. Mm -hmm. What do you, Level crossing means it's the same point. Do you know what an unlevel crossing is? No. It's a kind of pyramid shape where the road goes up to oh, the rails. Okay. okay. And what can happen, and this is why unlevel crossings are dangerous and they try not to have them ever, is you can bottom out on that. Yeah. And then you're stuck on top. Because it's really steep. Yes. You're stuck on top. Or you can be like me when I was learning to drive a stick. Yeah. And roll back down. <laughs> Well, it's not cars usually or trucks. It's it's usually long vehicles like a wagon or yeah. a, a tractor trailer or things yeah. like that that get stuck on those unlevel crossings. But yeah, there there is a, a number of different ways that this crossing could have happened. And it you know, I love trains, but level crossing the just the word of it always bothers me because that's where trains hit people. Yeah. And my dad hit people. The unmarked ones. Not my dad personally. He didn't hit people. My dad was a conductor on the railroad, and he was on trains that hit people. Yeah, that hit cars that were stuck. Or, and he would, yeah. you know, that's he upsetting. would tell my mom about it, and I'd hear her. Yeah, that's sad. It's very sad. Because the train can't stop. No, even though that train could have easily stopped yeah. for Gina. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> beep, beep. Uh -uh. I'm surprised knowing where it goes and everything that the conductor, that the engineer didn't go, why is Gina on the tracks? Yeah. Beep. Hey, Gina, you want to move or something? 
Gina, scoot over. Okay. They do a very good job of going, there's no blood on the track. I'm like, okay. That's because she would have gotten knocked off into the bushes somewhere. A train hitting uh, a person at any amount of speed is not a happy situation. No. Ever. But, you know, it's kind of raining. So maybe that washed the blood off the track. Is it? Or is it? Maybe next scene, it won't be. Maybe, maybe not. So there are 6,000 level crossings in the UK still. Wow. They're trying to get rid of them all. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this. Well, it means trains have to go slower, right? Because a train going through a crossing has to slow down. They have to slow down significantly. Yeah. Yeah. So the Safe Haven pub. Yes. Is only a safe haven for Laughing Bob. Bob is problematic. How do you live your life being such a grump? Grumpy McGrump. My host is I'm Grump. Grump, 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 grump. Yeah, Barnaby says mine host, and I'm like, that was a weird way to say that. And the next scene, he's got a picture of himself on the that wall. It says mine host. host. I'm like, okay, Crump, man. <laughs> well, that would be M E I N E, mine host. Yes. If it was German. So that is not what is completely freaks me out about the bar. What freaks you out about the bar? What freaks me out about the bar is that Angie, between the first scene that she appears in and the next scene that she appears in, I am convinced is two different people. (laughs) They look nothing alike. She puts her hair up and Uh, that confuses you. No, because... I look. I was like, are they? She's played they, by one actress. Her name is Sue collage? Jenkins. No, it is the same woman. Not the same person. She puts her hair in a clip and changes her clothes. It freaked me out. Because some people sleep that night. Other people don't. Yes. <laughs> Eddie Marston doesn't. He just creeps around yeah. looking in windows and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I so <laughs> so laughing. Bob has record. Right, oh, yes, because he, he was working in a different pub, and he cracked a guy over the skull with a pool cue. Yep. And where was he working? The feathers. The feathers, which have been mentioned a million times, right? Yep. The feathers has been a pub. It's been a very posh hotel where people are blackmailed for having affairs and have nice robes. But we've never talked about why it's called the feathers. No, we haven't. Well. This is where I get to talk about my first favorite series of books. Okay. I get to talk about Christopher Fowler. Yes. So Christopher Fowler, I love him because he writes this amazing series of mystery books called The Bryant and May Mysteries. They're so good. They're I'm telling you. Fa- they're, they are not only great mysteries, they are a whirlwind tour of 20th century England as Of well. London specifically, yeah, of the history London. of London. Yeah. You learn everything. But they're just, oh, they're like an old friend. I go back and listen. I listen to a lot of books. I've listened to every one of those, and there's like 15 of them. I've listened to them at least yeah. three times a piece. Anyway, yeah. Christopher Fowler has this great blog, and because he's interested in history, he's always talking about, like, here's something you didn't know. And the reason why so many pubs are called The Feathers is that it is a reference to the Prince of Wales, whose crest has three ostrich feathers on it. Oh. That's the heraldic badge of the Prince of Wales. And so whenever you see a pub called the Feathers, it's a reference to the Prince of Wales. So it could have just easily be called the Prince of Wales. Yeah. But they call it the Feathers. Do do we know if they know each other, uh, Fowler and Aronovich? I don't know. They probably have run into each other. I can only imagine. Not the Prince of Wales. They both both write graphic novels in addition to books. The Prince of Wales. He's almost a 70-year-old man. He's got to be 70. He's, he's the prince. He's a little his prince. Cheeks. He's not as old as, as John Nettles. But. Queen is never going to die. Nope. We also find out about another name. Did you notice what the Barnaby's house is called? The Birches. The Birches. I'd never noticed that before. I think that's new. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that sign on the house is new. Yep, and it's that's what's on the address, the Birches. Let's talk about the mailman. <laughs> Poulter. Okay, first of all. Played I, by Chris Berry. I have who a was, problem with the royal mail. Oh, it, he, it's the express mail. Yes. He could not have that job having a criminal record, by no, the way. No, he could not have. 
Because mostly they would say things like, what would stop you from going through the mail? Nothing. And it would be nothing, including other people seeing him. I know. I can't believe he starts to open that envelope at the mailbox. In daylight at the mailbox. (laughs) Like, where is Mrs. Reich then to come along and go, you shouldn't be doing that. And I can only imagine that that is the closest mailbox to Midsummer Home. Yeah. Like that's where everybody has to go if they want to mail a letter in a mailbox. I wanted to know how frequent mailboxes were in train stations, but I didn't look it up. I would think it would be pretty common because the trains probably pick up the mail quite a bit. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's played by Chris Berry, who I know best from being in Red Dwarf. Yes. Where he plays that- Rimmer, who is a hologram. Yes. And he's a comedic actor. He's very funny. But he's trying to be more rangy here. Well, they've brought Red Dwarf back now. Yes. So he's back in Red Dwarf. Yes. And he's still brilliant. Yes. He's very, super very funny. funny. He's a very funny guy. But in reality, uh, Mr. Poulton, Poulter would not have been able to get this job. No. Though no. he wasn't convicted of anything, he would have been a government worker as a policeman and as a postman. So his record would have been common. And they would have known, even if he hadn't admitted, that he had been fired. Now I wonder if he had a hole in his pants. <laughs> Trousers. Is that how he got the job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I looked into that quite a bit because I wanted to know, based on what they say about the way he left the police, they say that he wasn't, like, charged. He didn't go to prison for what he did wrong. Um, but, yeah, as a, as a government employee, it would have been the same. Yeah. It's just silly. So there's this scene in the middle of the night with Barnaby reviewing the case files. He's got the Friday Nighters file back out, right? Yep. George comes in with the autopsy results. Jones is still there. And they're like, open and shut, sir. And he's like, no. Because Holmes looks guilty and then admits to doing it. But Barnaby knows better. But George's argument is so flawed. Okay. He says that Maria... Jack and Eddie were all killed with the handle from the camera obscura. Yep. And they were all struck in the same way, which leads him to believe they were struck by the same person, not just with the same weapon. Yes. And that cannot be true because Maria is hit on the front of her forehead. Yes. Eddie is hit from the back. Yes. And Jack is hit while he's down. Yes. So there's no way to say like, oh, well, the killer is left-handed and approximately this much taller than the victim. No. That's all bullshit. Yeah, it is. George is making it up. And then Tom's only source of uncomfort is that Gina left the police right away. And he can't figure out why she would have done that. And I also can't figure out why she would have done that. Because though her husband was sort of left in shame because he was responsible for that station and should have stopped what was going on. That's all he knows happened at that time anyway. He says she could have written it out because she was a superior to her husband in terms of position. And she was a really good cop. And she could have written it out, so, but she quit. But we don't understand why she as quit. As somebody who committed a crime and framed the Lord home, why would I want to draw attention to myself? And why wouldn't you want to stay on the force so you could keep an eye on that case and know if anything was going on? You would think. It's weird. Well, maybe she realized at that moment that she could leave the force and in less than eight years get multiple degrees and establish this gigantic program and become a full professor. Well, and, okay. (laughs) She was like, wait a minute, I could be doing that instead? I'll go do that. We're to understand the reason that Gina kills Lady Holm is because she... Sleeping with her husband. Finds out that she's sleeping with Jack. How does she find out? I have to think that Jack admitted it. So then Jack knows. I told my wife that Maria was sleeping with me and Maria suddenly died the next day. Or Maria uh, bragged about it. Yeah. To Gina, because she was obviously like being kind of saucy to Gina when Gina killed her. But we didn't see any of that. It, it's problematic. And the, the character of Lady Holm is problematic because she has no motivations other than I want to have a good time. I'm lonely and bored and married to a flake. Which we're and I want attention. all of that into it. Well, it's clear she's looking for attention. She wouldn't be wearing fishnets. She's looking for attention, but uh, I just would have liked to see more of that. 
<laughs> oh, no, yeah. no, no. I would have liked to seen. I would have liked to seen more of that of, of their her relationship in some other way, rather than the whole Mrs. Shrike thing. Yeah, of like him ignoring her or something that might have driven her to that behavior. Yeah, or the red herrings who run the pub. <laughs> Jack dies with his tongue out. Ugh. He sticks it out. Sticks she it whacks out. him and he goes, sticks his yep. tongue out. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Uh, oh, I guess you don't have any control over it. And why isn't Lionel Poulter killed? Uh, she just didn't get to him yet. Really? <laughs> she doesn't know he has the letter. But she knows that Eddie is somehow involved. Like, I don't know how Eddie is involved at all. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how he's involved. That's what I mean. Let alone. I, I, I don't know what he knows how or how she he knows finds it. Out. I don't know why Jack goes to see Eddie in prison. No. I don't know how Eddie is connected yeah. at all. It's so weird. But he's got to die. And like, okay, if you're a parole officer and you talk to Eddie Marston for two minutes, you're like, this guy's not getting out. <laughs> One of the first things he does is steal somebody's orange juice from their milk crate. Oh, my, okay. Oh, I forgot about the orange juice. He drinks out of the cart. Okay. Did that make you crazy? <laughs> okay. First of all, he robs that person's orange juice. Well, it's Lord Holmes' orange juice. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh, my freaking God. Like, public trust. <laughs> my Canadianism came out of me. And then he starts drinking it out of the carton. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, send this bastard back to prison right now. <laughs> you, back to prison. How dare you drink orange juice out of the carton? And it's not even yours. At least he puts it in the trash when he's done with it. <laughs> I guess he could have just dropped it on the floor and that would have made your head explode, right? <laughs> No! <laughs> oh, Eddie Marston and the orange juice. Just, I, I have to look at my notes, but I think I said, oh my God, the orange juice. <laughs> Mark's going to start voluntarily going to parole hearings and telling on people who steal orange juice. Yeah. Put him back in jail. Okay. I know this happens in one night, but this is the episode of Casual Coppers. Because it's a Saturday. I guess. They get called out on a Saturday. They don't have time to change. They just go. They're dressed nicer than you are on a Saturday. I'm looking at you. Okay. I I realize they dress better than me on a Saturday, but it just took me back that it was casual Saturday on the episode. Let's talk about Gina's warrant card, can we? Okay. You mean the thing that is made worse? Like, the only thing worse is the Photoshop picture of Jack and And, and and Barnaby. Yeah, it's bad. I'm not even going to talk about that. So... Not only is her warrant card just stuck si- on, <laughs> just sitting around yeah. in a file, yeah. but the photo of her is wrong. It's, it's wrong and it's taped on. No, that's not that inaccurate because they, it's kind of like what they do with a passport. They sort of laminate it on. Yeah. But that should be laminated. It's black and white and it shouldn't be unless she was a copper like in the 1920s. And it's from the wrong time period. Oh, it's totally the wrong time. They give her that horrible hair in the flashbacks. And yet she's got her current hair in the photo. Yeah. And she's not even looking at the camera. She's got this like far off ennui look for her ID photo. Uh, No. no. But in format, it's not that it's not that wrong. You you would usually see it in a little wallet with a badge on the other side. Yeah. And it's behind a piece of plastic when it's in the wallet. So yeah. you don't you don't see how kind of makeshift they were. But what? her signature is one line. It's supposed to be her whole name and it's like one squiggle. So did you go down the rabbit hole of the words after her signature? No. So after her signature it says it's a warrant card because of his, on his behalf. And I was like, his? Okay, Gina is not a his. It's the chief constable mm. that's the his okay. that's listed. But then I was like, if they hire a new chief constable and that person is not a his? Does everybody have to, or does everybody have to get a new badge? I wondered. If you have a female chief constable, I do they change him? I guess. Because they have to be all legal. Maybe it says on their behalf now. 
it should. What a what a hassle that would be. I saw that and was like, that would be a hassle. She put the psycho into psychotherapy. Thank you, Jones, for trying to tell a joke in this episode that is desperate in need of a joke. And usually... And wouldn't Tom have been sort of offended by that? Kind of. I would think. He, he gives a little smirk, like, very funny. He's kind of upset when she gets uh, run over by the train, so... He respected her. Yeah, he did. He looked up to her. And she's a bad person. And then Jones is like, she's a psycho. Ha, 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 ha. Like, what? <laughs> Are you ready to talk about Colleen? Okay. Because We've been waiting all this time. Where we should be getting humor, or at least lightness in this episode, we get Joyce freaking out. I don't know what they're going to do. What are they going to do? Are they going to go to do it? Say that. What's going to happen? You can't blame her for that okay. because they are like, we have something huge to tell you, but not right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If Tom was your dad and you had something big to tell him, you would tell him right away because you never know when he's going to disappear for 24 hours yeah, on the case. She lived with him for 20 years. She should know he's not going to be there for lunch. Yep. There's no way he's going to be there no, for lunch. He's not going to be there for lunch. He doesn't. We don't even see him call and say sorry. They no. just know he's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. But they're engaged. Yes. And Simon. I, I do like the end of this episode, though. I do like that Tom says, let's take some time and let's go away. I, I like that Simon's checking out his work in the backyard. He's looking at the patio. Like, yeah, I did that. I did this patio. It's eight by eight now, I think. <laughs> it's five by eight by, by, by eight, eight by five. By five. Do you want to do best corpse and after the credits before we do horrible movies or after? Let's do horrible movies. Okay. Are you ready? I thought I was going to get you on Ben Aronovich. I wasn't You're sure. you kidding. I wasn't sure. But I knew as soon as I said Dr. Hugh, you'd be like, I wonder if his friend is Ben Aronovich. Ha And I had to put it together because the article just says a, a friend of his. But I looked up the episode that they wrote. All right. Are you ready? Yes. I have two. Wow, that movie looks horrible. Bet Mark's seen it. Okay. And one for a movie that doesn't look too horrible, but I have to tell you about it. Okay. So I'm going to start with that one. Okay. Because this is an undiscovered gem that I should have noticed way early on in the podcast. I should have noticed this in like our second episode. Okay. Because not only does it star Marsha Warren, who plays Mrs. Shrike. Yep. But the lead actor is Barry Jackson. It's Georgie. Oh my gosh. What is this movie? They were in a movie together in 1985. 1985? Okay. That's 35 years ago. Wow. <laughs> I know. If, if you know anything about Lovejoy, Barry Jackson appears in the first episode as a cop. Yeah. And you sit there going, you you should be in the... But George, aren't you late for Midsummer? Yeah, I think his name is George, too. <laughs> this movie is called Mr. Love. Mi <laughs> wow. And George is Mr. Love. George is Mr. Love? Yes. I'm impressed. Set in a crumbling Southport-on-Sea... One Donald Lovelace, that's George, who is a mild-mannered, 50-ish landscape, landscape gardener, sows his wild oats among the town's lonely women folk in a last-ditch quest for romance and nookie. Wow. Both of which he reaps with astounding ease from a range of eccentric Lancastrian matrons. He's married to Mrs. Shrike, but they have a loveless marriage. Okay. And so he decides he's just gonna, like woo every woman in town. Yeah. And what's surprising is that they all find that he is an excellent lover. Oh. And so all the women want to sleep with him. Oh. And it's George. Wow. <laughs> Mr. Love. Mr. Love. Never seen that movie. It's supposedly a quite a cute movie. Okay. So it's not a horrible movie. Okay. Are you ready for the horrible movies? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. This is a 1973 movie. Okay. And Keith Drinkle is in it. He's the one who plays Tommy Crinney. Okay. The estate manager. Yep. In this, in this episode. That's how they're connected. The tagline, he came from the East to discover a secret and death followed all the way. I may have seen this movie. It's a spy story about a Japanese private eye who comes to London on a mission only to find himself working in tandem with MI5. No, I have not seen this movie. It is called Yellow Dog. Oh. Which is what they call this Japanese private eye. Wow. They call him Yellow Dog. 
And in the movie, he is prone to making rice balls, moving into his superior's garden shed, and running around in small circles. Literally in small circles. It is incredibly racist. The only racist thing, piece of garbage. The only thing I can say good about it is the character who plays the Japanese private eye is actually an Asian actor and not a Caucasian actor with his eyes taped or some shit. Oh, jeez. Because you know they did that. Back That's then. horrible. Yellow dog. Yellow dog. One point for me. Yep. The second one you might get. Okay. Okay. Uh, Christopher Fairbank is in this movie. Okay. I've seen a lot of Christopher Fairbank. He plays Ronnie Tyler in this episode, if you don't remember. Okay. This is a 2002 movie, too. Okay. It's not even that that old. Only 18 years old. The submarine USS Manta had a perfect record until the mysterious death of its captain. The next in command, Lieutenant Richard Bryce, is determined to steer his disheartened crew back to safety. But after three battle survivors board the sub, bizarre and frightening things begin to happen. The captain, the the um, next in command, is played by Bruce Greenwood. Wow. I think I've seen the trailer to this, but I don't remember what movie it is. It's called Below. Below. Yeah, I remember seeing a poster, I think, for it. Yeah, very, very bad. Yeah. Bad, wow. bad movie. It's got, like, supernatural crazy stuff happens because oh. these three survivors... Like, then the sub is haunted or something? I, I don't understand. Ha! Two, two for, for two! You. Two woo for woo two woo for woo you. Woo yep. I, I didn't think you would have ever seen Yellow Dog. I thought if you no. saw the poster, you would go, no, I'm not going to watch no. that. No, But But Below is a movie I would have watched. Below, I'm surprised yeah. you haven't seen. Yeah. Ha! Two for two. Two for two. All right. Best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Okay, we have three corpses, really. Maria, Jack, and Eddie. And I'm going to say Jack in the morgue. Why? He's very still. I'm going to say Jack because of the tongue thing. The tongue thing is pretty good. Maria, not only being a bad actress, I don't, like, she's a bad dead body. Like Her face moves quite a bit when that yeah. blood's running down her face. It must yeah. tickle. I it's give it to her. Tickle. It's got to tickle. <laughs> it's She's in the rain outside. Yeah. With blood trickling down her face. Yeah. <laughs> but Jack on his back in the leaves with his tongue out, is, I think yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. Good. All right, after the credits. Okay. Tom and, and Joyce go to New Zealand. Do you think they actually go? Yes. Okay, I hope yeah, they He do. wouldn't say that and then not go. Can we go to New Zealand? No. I was like... I want to go to New Zealand. You want to go they anywhere. Trains and stuff. You want to go down the street. We could go to like broken wood murders places. There are more cases of Corona in the White House than there are in the whole country of New Zealand. Yeah. They're not going to let us in. No. They'll know where we're from and go, no. No. <laughs> okay. And Gina's going to go to G- Gina's dead. Yep. Right. Lord Holm is innocent of everything. Okay. Lord Holm gets screwed because he went to prison for no reason. No. And he could so sue the, the system. Oh my gosh. And get so much money because she kept him on an van for eight years at the very least. It would be tough to prove with her dead. Yeah. That she framed him. But wow. Yeah, Lord Holm. Oh, and all the women in his life have either are dead or took off. Oh, you don't think Mrs. Shrike will come back? No. No. She's, oh, she's finally she, had her fill. I think she will to take care of him. I hope so. Ronnie Tyler's off on his around the world walk. He's fine. I hope he has a great time in Paris. I do too. Dr. Wyatt, he's broken. Yeah. I don't we know. We haven't what, even talked about him. I don't know what he's gonna do, but he needs to go. Yeah. And Lionel Poulter is gonna have a difficult time getting another job yeah yeah well he i'm sure he goes to prison because he's blackmailing people and interfering with the mail yeah that's an offense gonna do some time you would hear the red herrings are red herring yeah the walkers yeah angie and bob like they're kind of like punch and judy i don't know maybe they like fighting with each other maybe i don't know so you don't think that mrs shrike is going to come back to the village you think she's gone for good i think she's gone for good she's had enough well and we know in a few more episodes colleen and simon are going to get married yes so our next episode is it's really the exact opposite of this episode because it is shot at dawn season 11 episode one there are are 
lances made of French bread with wheelchairs. Yes. <laughs> like, it's, it's a lighthearted episode, and we need one after this one. Like, there's a killing on an electric wheelchair. Yes. It's <laughs> going down the road, and like, oh, there's so many. It's a fun episode. Uh, and there's all sorts of goofiness. There is the the, the baguette jousting. The baguette jousting yes. is fantastic. That's a highlight. Yeah. Tom squatties. Has to, Tom has to break it up. Yeah, there's squatties and bombs exploding and also, oh, it's so great. Yes, much Absolutely. more fun than this one. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, maniacs, until then. Hey, maniacs. Don't go swinging baguettes at anybody. Yes, and uh, I just want to say stay safe out there. It seems to be on the rise again and we all want you to stay safe and happy Halloween. I should be posting some, uh, maybe some pictures this week of our Halloween display for you all to look at. So the thing is bye maniacs. Bye maniacs. Until, much like, uh, not Anna Karenina, who's the who's the woman who dies at the end of the novel by getting hit in the head with the train? Not Anna Karenina. One of those Russian sad novels or something. <laughs>